Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And, of course, the New York Giants are not having the season that they dreamed for earlier in the offseason, right? We were hoping that this team would make their way back to the playoffs, but sitting here at 2-6, and six, it's been a nightmare, right? We were dreaming for playoffs, we're experiencing a nightmare, and the New York Giants season is spiraling out of control. Now the Giants, of course, at the trade deadline, made the move to trade away Leonard Williams for a future second round pick a great draft pick haul there for the Giants but it does indicate maybe they're not in the win now mindset that we once thought they were Xavier McKinney mentioned something about that today in the media saying he thought this was a win now team guess not that was a really wild comment from Xavier McKinney and I'm curious to see what his future has in store with the New York Giants once we get to his offseason but right now I do want to just take a look at Joe Shane how he's constructed this team what we're thinking about this team going through the second half of the season because it's a 2-6 and six team. It's pretty bleak right now. I don't have high playoff hopes or aspirations. I do think this is a team that's going to wind up with a top 10 overall draft pick in the 2024 NFL draft. But does that change the way that I feel about Joe Shane, feel about the future and the direction of this team, and feel the way that I feel about Brian Dable? Yes, in some ways, no in others. I still do have confidence, but I do want to have a discussion with you today, Alex, about the New York Giants, the future of this team, and how confident we still are in Joe Shane and his ability to build us towards a bigger and brighter future. But before we dive into this conversation, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. You go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, Alex... How are you doing today, my friend? And how are you feeling about Joe Shane and the way that he's constructing the New York Giants roster? Well, I'm doing pretty well. And I'll tell you what, guys. I think that most of us, like 95% of us, are still in on the Joe train, Joe Shane train. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to jumble my words. But I think that right now, when it comes to Joe Shane, we are seeing a different type of process. And it's a modernized one. You know, if you reflect back on Dave Gettleman's era, we were like, we know this is going nowhere. We know that the process is flawed. We know that the free agency overspending is to make up for bad drafting. That's not a sustainable model. Um, I think the Giants have been trying to get out under that from under that mess for quite a while. And Leonard Williams' $32 million cap hit and Adore Jackson $19 million cap hit certainly held them back. Now, a, co- a couple of cornerstone pieces were gathered during the uh, Gettleman era, notably Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence. Those two primary guys uh, are the ones that really are making this team go right now. So uh, when you look at, or rather, well, Andrew Thomas, when he gets back, you know, for the last couple of years, he's been one of our better pieces. Uh, but looking at the last two draft classes, Aside from Evan Neal, I feel like the Giants have done a pretty good job, right? Evan Neal, I I don't even think that – I think most people, again, 90 95% of people were happy with that pick. We were ecstatic. And I think the coaching kind of maybe set him back a bit, as I said yesterday in the episode. Uh, What I feel about Joe Shane is that he's managed to operate very, very, very – swiftly and efficiently when it comes to the salary cap space we have about 50 million dollars in available salary cap space next year and with the daniel jones contract yes you know in hindsight maybe we wouldn't have done it but the truth is he built in and out after the second season that protected us um and he did a really good job of of 
preparing for the worst case scenario, you know, that was something that Dave Gettleman never really did. He never really prepared for the worst case scenario. He went all in and said, like, this needs to work. Dave, uh, Joe Shane has said, look, we're going all in, but we're building in a security blanket, a, a life raft, just in case we have to jump off ship. Just in case the ship is sinking, we can jump off and reset. And he did that really well with Daniel Jones's contract, in my personal opinion. I think it's actually a good contract um, in terms of the way that they structured it. In hindsight, of course, like maybe we would have gone a different route. Um, but what I do like is the drafting. I think that the draft picks have been generally pretty decent. Uh, for example, Deontay Banks looks like a legitimate CB1, and we got him at the 24th overall pick. That's a pretty good spot to land a, a impact starter on day one. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, we saw the potential against the Jets. The guy is legit. You know, we he, he's been kind of surviving with some guys that have been rather injury-prone, for example, Aziz Ojolari. I think John Michael Schmitz is going to be a tremendous center for a long time. Um, I think that, you know, Jalen Hyatt's got a ton of potential. We've seen it flash. You know, Micah McFadden, uh, holy crap, that guy, I mean, we're talking about a mid-late round pick there. He's a starting linebacker for us now. Jason Pinnock, a starting safety for us. Um, you look at Bobby Okereke, that guy, he might be one of the best linebackers we've had in a long time, like a decade long time. Um, you know, he's legit. He's been balling lately. Cordell Flott has been really solid over the last couple games, and he's a former third round pick from last year. Trey Hawkins, if we get any value out of a sixth round pick, I'm happy. So, you know, you look at what the Giants have gotten. Wondell Robinson, I also think, is a very good player. You know, barring the injuries, um, he's coming back. He looks like he's really, really solid. I think he's going to be a key contributor for us for a long time. We're getting value from our from our rookies. We're getting value from our draft picks over the last two years. And I think that aside from Evan Neal, I'm content with what we have. Um, in addition to that, we've operated really swiftly when it comes to signing some players um, on incentive-laden deals that we can move off from as a, just in case, right? Like, for example, Rakim Nunez Roche. We can move off him after this upcoming season. We can move off of... Um, uh, Paris Campbell, for example, you know, one year, $7 million deal. He's gone, you know, move off of him. No big deal. Uh, we've done a good job not strapping ourselves down with these multi-year contracts and just trying to plug gaps with like one and done players. And I think that that's a good strategy because you can get value out of those guys. Unfortunately, our team just hit a major roadblock and we just weren't able to capitalize on that talent. Uh, but again, like, you know, Ashawn Robinson looks good. Rakim Nunez Roche looks good. Um, we have gotten some value from the contracts that are more short-term fixes than long-term ones. But right now, I feel like we're still in the process of a rebuild. I, I, the, look, at least they never came out and said something like, we can win while we rebuild, right? I think that the Giants have been trying to win while they rebuild, but we kind of needed a little bit more of a comprehensive restructuring across the board. We had to reset our salary space. We had to build out the entire depth on this team, guys. You know, Anthony, I know you know that too. We had to rebuild the whole roster like aside from a key a few key players that were first round draft picks for the most part we had to rebuild the whole roster in two off seasons and these guys are rookies are sophomores you can't build a championship caliber operation sometimes with that level of of inexperience however we are still very optimistic these guys will develop into good players that can help us win games in the future and now we have a good foundation built you know the secondary looks like it's it's built well uh we have some good pass rushers a really great interior guy our 
offensive line is slowly getting there. When we're healthy, I think we have an average offensive line. The problem is we're never freaking healthy. So that's where we question ourselves. Um, I, I generally think that we could have an average offensive line if everyone was healthy, including Andrew Thomas and JMS and everybody was 100%. Uh, we just haven't seen that yet. And no, please stop referencing week one as like, we saw what they what they can do already. If you went to the office, you messed up a project and you and everyone was like, yeah, you freaking blow. So, do you see what that guy did last week? He freaking sucks. And then you bounce back and like, hey, like this was my first freaking day on the job and I messed up. Like, you know, give give it, you gotta have a little bit more sample size. You can't use one game as a, as a sample size to criticize things and generalize things. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, if you're looking at a season's worth of work, I think you have a little bit more of a base, right? Even half a season, you can get more of a, a base out of that sample. But one game, guys, give me a break. You're going to judge a team off of one game? That's ridiculous. I mean, the freaking Jets just beat the Eagles. Are you going to call the Eagles a bad team? Probably not. So, you know, that that's the kind of logic I'm going with is that we, we lost a lot of players. We got blown out in week one, but that is not the end-all be-all of any given team. Now, the Giants have sucked because our offense has sucked, but our defense has been lights out. And let's not ignore that. The fact that our defense has been tremendous. Um, so half of our team is actually really good. Now, the special teams is another another situation entirely, but I like Gunnar Olszewski. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good kick returner for us, but defense lights out. Offense is the last piece of the puzzle we're just missing here. So, Anthony, when you're looking at Joe Shane, how do you feel about his drafting so far, how they've managed the cap space? So far, I'm not discouraged. I, I still have plenty of faith that they can get this thing done. So do I. I'm, I'm not completely discouraged. Are there reasons for some discouragement? Of course. I mean, the Giants are 2-6. and six. This is not a perfect team. There is plenty to criticize about this New York Giants team right now. But when you're taking a look at the roster construction in particular, I don't have any quarrel with it. I think that Joe Shane has done a fine job building. Listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. NFL football teams are not built overnight. It is so, so rare that you see a team be rebuilt in one to two seasons, um, going from a bad football team with a top 10 pick to becoming a playoff contender the next season. That's rare. The Giants did that last year. Yeah, maybe it was a little bit of fool's gold, but again, it takes probably three seasons, I would say, three off seasons of good, strong work from a general manager to really turn a team into a solid contending NFL team. So I still think we have to be patient with Joe Shane. Even if we say, if we sit here and we sing his praises right now, Alex, and we say that he's doing a great job, we are still talking about an incomplete product. We are not talking about Joe Shane's whole full body of work here building the New York Giants because he's only in year two of his rebuild of this roster. He's still got year three, four, and five if we if he gets himself enough time here rebuilding this team. But I really do feel like you don't know what you have in an NFL draft pick until they reach their third season. Then you could start to make some determination of whether or not this was a quality pick and a good player. But it really takes about three years for an NFL player to come into his own most times. I mean, sure, you see guys step into the league and they dominate year one, or maybe they dominate year two, but those players are few and far between. Usually it does take several seasons for them to really come into their own and establish themselves as quality players or inequality players in the NFL. So, I'm still confident in what Joe Shane's doing because, as you mentioned, you look at these past two draft classes, there's some hits there, right? Micah McFadden is really coming into his own in his second season, proving to be a quality starting level linebacker, and that's rare to find in those late rounds. For what it's worth, I think Cordell Flott is proving me wrong. I was never super high on Cordell Flott, but I think he's starting to prove that he can be a quality starter in the NFL. He's playing some damn good football right now. The eye test shows that, and also the, the deep analytics from PFF shows that. He's got really good grades there and his stats are good. He's playing some good football right now. The Giants might have found something there. Now, some of these other draft picks, Marcus McKethan, 
listen, a late round draft pick on the offensive line, those guys always take several years before they're ready to start. It's just unfortunate the Giants had so many injuries on their offensive line, they had to push Marcus McKethan into the starting lineup when he wasn't ready. And that goes the same for Josh Azidu. Josh Azidu, they've been trying to develop and trying to rotate him in with the starters at left guard so eventually he could take that starting job. Well, then everything, all of their plans with Josh Azidu's development just went out of whack and they were forced to put him in the starting lineup at left tackle. You can't make a determination on whether or not Josh Azidu is a good NFL player at this point, in my opinion. You still need to give him more time because... The Giants were never planning on developing him into a starting left tackle. They've been trying to develop him into a starting left guard, and I still think that he's got a long ways to go in that development, but if the Giants remain patient with Josh Azidu, maybe he can be another hit there. So you're looking through some of these draft picks, and you can't really say whether or not these guys have hit just yet. It's still early. They're still going through their developmental process that the Giants have laid out for them, and sometimes because of extenuating circumstances, there's a snag in that development. There's a little bit of a roadblock, but how do they respond to that? You have to give time to see how they respond to that. You can't just say because Josh Azidu was developing at left guard and then got thrown at left tackle and got his ass beat. You can't say he's a bad football player because of that. Let's see him get back on his developmental track at left guard and see how he performs whenever he gets that next chance in the lineup. And I think that can be said about a lot of these draft picks from Joe Shane. I think he's found a lot of solid talent and a lot of value for what it's worth. You know, there's a bunch of players that we saw fall in these draft rankings, right? Jalen Hyatt being the perfect example. There was a lot of teams, a lot of analysts saying that a team was going to take him in the first round. He fell out of the second round. The Giants moved up to get him in the third round. So even if he doesn't pan out, the least you can say is when he made that draft selection, he got tremendous value by selecting Jalen Hyatt in the third round. And I think that's really what you want to see from an NFL GM. Are they making value picks, selecting players that are projected to go way higher? For what it's worth, Javarius Owens, seventh round draft pick this year, he had a fourth round draft projection. Many teams were expecting to take him in those middle rounds. He slid and Joe Shane grabbed him. That's what I'm looking for in a GM. I'm not asking, okay, are these players performing well in their rookie seasons? That's not the point. If anything, that's on the coaching staff, but really that's just because these guys are young and they need to develop. You're talking about 22-year-olds going up against 35-year-olds who have been in the league for over a decade. There is just a different level of experience that puts all of those rookies at a disadvantage. So I'm not necessarily worried about how these young players are performing. Yes, we want to see them de- develop, start to play better week in and week out. And I think we've seen that with Kayvon Thibodeau. But what I'm really looking for when I'm taking a look at Joe Shane's draft uh, classes is is he getting value out of these draft picks? Is he drafting players that are projected to go higher than where he selects them? That's really what you're trying to search for with NFL general managers, in my opinion. And that's how you can determine whether or not they are building this roster the right way. He's been addressing the Giants' needs, guys. It's like... Everybody wants to say, why why isn't the offensive line fixed? Well, it's not because of a lack of effort. Joe Shane has been drafting offensive linemen. He took Evan Neal in the first round last year. He, of course, went ahead and got Josh Azito and Marcus McKethan in the middle rounds of that draft as well. He's made moves to improve this offensive line. It just hasn't panned out yet. And who's to say that... Evan Neal doesn't turn things around next season or maybe moves to right guard and becomes a quality starter. You don't know. So again, it's just a wait and see approach here when evaluating NFL general managers. It's too soon to make a determination on him. If the Giants get to the end of this uh, end of this season at two and six, it's a really bad season. And they say, okay, we need to reevaluate Joe Shane. I'm going to be really disappointed in ownership because I don't think that's fair. It takes multiple years to build a roster.
roster. If they gave Dave Gettleman such a long leash, I mean, listen, when I'm talking about general managers drafting for value, Dave Gettleman was known for reaching and drafting players who didn't have good value in their draft selections. At least Joe Shane is waiting for the value to come to him and making selections like that. Dave Gettleman got himself a very long leash, was here for a very long time. Joe Shane deserves to be here just as long, if not longer, because he is trying to slowly but surely build a roster, and I want to see this vision come to fruition. I don't want to see a half-baked version of Joe Shane's New York Giants. I want to allow him to have enough time and enough seasons and off-seasons to build this team and build this roster the way that he wants it to be built, because I do think that he's shown um, an eye for finding talent in those middle rounds, an eye for drafting talent, really. Uh, in general, and also a savviness to making trades. You know, we've talked about Trader Joe many, many times, the way that he's extracted value out of draft picks, and not only in the draft, but via trade, I think is really impressive. And another thing that I can even mention there is Leonard Williams basically gave Joe Shane a glowing review today, or yesterday it was, while speaking with the reporters out in Seattle. He said that the way that this trade was handled was a night and day difference compared to when he was traded away from the New York Jets, and that this time it was done with way more communication and way more respect from Joe Shane rather than when he was traded away from the Jets. He had a lot of great things to say about Joe Shane. And not only does that show, you know, these guys are willing to speak out and say how respectful Joe Shane is and give him a high review, but you also have to keep in mind the NFL or the other players in the New York Giants locker room, they're going to hear that story from Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams had a lot of respect in that locker room. He's not leaving on bad terms, not saying this was abrupt. I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm blindsided and upset. No, he said, I knew this was happening. It was clearly explained to me. And Joe Shane was very respectful. These other players in the locker room that are playing for the New York Giants are going to hear that and take notice of that. And they're going to want to continue to play in this environment that the New York Giants are building under this culture that Brian Dable and Joe Shane are instilling. And I think that's something really important to take away from this whole situation. Yeah, the Giants got a great deal, a second round pick for Leonard Williams, but they also uh, found an opportunity to create a really good impression from the front office down to the locker room with this trade. And I think that's something that can't be overlooked when you're considering the future of team building for this New York Giants team. So Alex, you know, how do you feel about that? The fact that we've heard a lot of great reviews from players on Brian Dable, players on Joe Shane as well. We just heard another one from Leonard Williams. You know, we've seen the Giants get into these points where two and six or one and five, whatever, the season's spiraling out of control. And we've watched this locker room kind of just lose it, right? The coaching staff doesn't have a grip over the locker room anymore. You think about the Joe Judge days, even the Pat Shermer days, especially the Ben McAdoo days, right? We've seen the Giants lose their locker rooms in the past, but we're two and six right now. And I don't get that sense from this team. I feel like Joe Shane still has everybody bought in. Brian Dable still has everybody bought in. What do you think the value is of keeping the players instilled in this culture and not losing the locker room here as they continue to build this roster for the future? It's a really good question, honestly, because like I'm I'm trying to think of it as if I was in that room. You're two and six. Um, I believe somebody said it was a Dexter Lawrence. Somebody was like, we're only two games out of a playoff spot theoretically, right? I don't think that they feel as though they've been knocked out just yet. I think they feel as though they can beat the Raiders and they can go on a little win streak here and get back in the mix and then their destiny is up to them again. You know what I mean? I think that they feel as though they are about to get Andrew Thomas back. They're about to get Daniel Jones back and they may feel as though the best football that they're going to play is ahead of them. Listen, if the defense can just play the way they have been and the offense gets marginally better we're gonna win some games and like I think that's probably what they feel is that you know if we get hot 
we can get back in this season. It's too early, I think, in their minds to write it off. You know, there's they're eight games in. Uh, they have another seven games to go, if not, you know, more like just uh, not probably actually way more than that. Um, more like ten games to go. So they have ten more games to go, and they're eight in. If they go six and four in the final, you know, stretch of the season, they have eight wins. Is that enough to get into the wild card? It may be this year. It may be. Um, it may not be. So, you know, right now, and it really is going to come down to beating divisional teams. It's always going to come down to the last two games against the Eagles and the game against the Cowboys. They have to win some of those games. If they continue to lose those key divisional matchups, it's it's game over. Like, you know, the, the, the Giants routinely lose uh, divisional matchups if as, as long as they're not playing Washington, basically. Um, I think that they're still bought in because they haven't given up yet because mathematically they're still very much in it. The problem is I just don't see how they can elevate the offense enough to get where they need to be. They need Andrew Thomas back at 100%. They need Daniel Jones back at 100%. They need these guys to make an impact, not just step in and, like, survive. They need these guys to play up to their contracts, right? And I know Thomas will, but I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to play up to $40 million. We don't know sometimes what version of him we're going to get every week because the offensive line, uh, lack of separation, you know, maybe he makes some mistakes, but we know he can play at a high level. We just need to see it consistently, and everybody else give him that, that level of support he needs to get there. Uh, I just don't know if we have that in us. Um, that's my major concern. But from a, from a standpoint of morale, I still feel like they're in it. I still feel like they feel as though they're in it. Um, I personally have other thoughts, but you know, from a player's perspective, you, you're not going to give up. Like like I think McKinney said it too. He said we go out there and we put our bodies on the line every single week. If we're going to do that, we may as well play hard and try to win football games, right? And, like, I think that's a great perspective because if you're going to go and sacrifice your body, potentially your future with CTE and other things, you may as well be winners while you're at it, right? Like, And I think that's the mentality that when things are not going your way and all else fails, you have to have pride for yourself in some ways. And I think that's one of the one of the – kind of perspectives you can take to maintain that morale, maintain that pride. Uh, so I think, you know, that that's why I would be, that's why I feel as though they're still in this to win this. But I personally have my reservations. And, I, and as a fan, guys, I think you guys can probably feel the same way that I just don't want to be hurt anymore. <laughs> I just don't want to go into every Sunday feeling as though I expect to win or like my, my optimism levels are high because it just makes Mondays so much more difficult. I go into Sundays these days feeling like, all right, if I expect us to struggle and lose, a win is a big surprise, and I'm really happy. Like that's kind of what this this being a Giants fan has been like the last couple of years. Just you know, you go into it thinking you're gonna lose, and when you win, you're like, holy crap! Like we won a game. This is amazing. And last year we got a lot of those because we made the playoffs and won a playoff game. So. You know, we're looking for more of those feelings, but as of right now, they have to prove to me they can put together a complete game. Right now, I'm still very, very um, cautious about investing more faith in this team and and being let down. So, you know, that's kind of my takeaway from uh, at least their perspective of maintaining morale. Yeah, and I think that I think that they're doing a fine job maintaining morale. I like all the quotes that you just mentioned. Dexter Lawrence being cognizant of the fact that the Giants are still technically in the playoff hunt. Uh, Xavier McKinney saying that he's still planning on playing his ass off even if this team isn't in the playoff hunt. All that stuff I think is really important to take note of. And I think that we've heard kind of different tones from players in years past when the Giants were spiraling out of control. When the season looked lost for the Giants, we've seen players not really express this much confidence and this much certainty in their future and in their ability to try and win 
now. I think that we've heard in the past a lot of players kind of throw in the towel a little bit prematurely um, and, you know, really watch the Giants season go from bad to worse. And I, I, I mean, this is as bad as it gets in some respects. The Giants rank 32nd in almost every single major offensive category, so it can't get much worse than this. But as long as the players still feel like there's room for improvement and that there's a way for them to get better and turn things around, I think that says a lot about how Brian Dable is commanding the locker room. So we're talking about, do we still have faith in Joe Shane for the future? I do, personally. I think I made that abundantly clear. But I also do have faith in Brian Dable. Now, at the end of the year, I think it'll be interesting, Alex, and I do want to get your take on this this, there's got to be a scapegoat probably. I would assume someone gets fired at the end of the season, right? It's not going to be Brian Dable in my opinion. I think as long as Joe Shane is here, he wants to see his vision carried out through Brian Dable. They're friends. They've worked together for years and years from Buffalo now to the New York Giants. They're going to stick together on this one. But do they make any other coaching staff changes? I definitely think they will. It's at least something they're going to consider. I know a lot of fans have been calling for the job of Bobby Johnson for weeks. Now a lot of fans are pushing. Mike Kafka is not doing a good job, right? We've heard that a ton. Um, And I do wonder if maybe at some point this season, with how inept this offense has been, does Brian Dable, Dable take over the play calling duties at any point? I think that's something he's going to need to start considering. Um, if he hasn't done that already, I know there's been a lot of speculation and conspiracy theories around that, but I wonder if Brian Dable is going to make that decision at some point before the end of the season to take over those play calling duties and just allow Mike Kafka to manage the offense as the coordinator. That'll be something to keep an eye on. But Alex, do you think there's going to be a scapegoat at the end of the year? Who do you think it's going to be? Mike Kafka, Bobby Johnson. Do you think that there is somebody who's still playing for their job on the coaching staff and has a really good chance of being fired by season's end? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think that I, I don't think they're going to fire my Kafka because I think they're going to play the injury game again as they usually do. Oh, this guy we lost Inter Thomas and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and JMS and you know guys are going down left and right now. It's Darren Waller and you had Bellinger out for a couple games and you know it's just been a disaster. So I feel as though the only person I could see getting fired is Thomas McGoffey because the special teams unit has been just bad for years. Um, Aside from like specific individuals like Graham Gano, who is about to go on IR, another uh, I think Lawrence Times reported they're going to be looking at some kickers today. So you know this is a situation where the Giants really I don't know if anyone gets fired. In fact, I don't think anyone does get fired. Actually, um, I think they stick it out. I think they I think the they've earned enough respect after last year to get the respect of ownership to give them at least the third season to turn this thing around. If next year things are just as bad, if not worse, then you hit reset and you start to fire some people. But right now I still think they have earned the respect of, of Mara and I think they still have uh, that. So maybe some like assistants or like, you know, maybe special teams coach would go or Bobby Johnson, I'm not sure. But I think for as for mo- most of the big guys, I think they're probably going to stick around. I think, you know, I think you make some good points there. The Giants do have a whole lot of excuses. They want to throw them out there, injuries being the primary one. Um, and it is always good to keep in mind, like, Mike Kafka was interviewing for head coaching positions in the offseason. Like, he is very highly sought after across the league. You know, there are a lot of glowing reviews out there for him, and a lot of other teams seem to be confident in Mike Kafka. It's not coming together for the Giants for some reason this season. Injuries definitely playing a part. Maybe Mike Kafka is regressing. Maybe NFL teams kind of just figured out this 
this Giants offense um, and know how to stop it. There's a whole lot to uh, to really dive into on that respect, but it will be interesting to see what de- what decisions the Giants make with some of their coordinators. Not only Mike Kafka, but also Thomas McGahee. I think that he's somebody whose seat is at least warm right now. I think the special teams has been better, but still not very good. The special teams has had missed field goals, did have a bunch of missed tackles earlier in the year, some turnover problems this season. Special teams is definitely something I think Brian Dable is going to take a look at, but at the end of the day, I think Joe Shane is going to ride with Brian Dable, protect him, make sure that he's still here as the, as the head coach of the New York Giants, and it's going to be on Brian Dable to decide, do I want to continue working with Mike Kafka? Do I want to continue working with Thomas McGahee and overseeing these guys? That's going to be really interesting when we do get to the end of the season. Bobby Johnson, though, I think his seat is definitely warm, although he is a guy who's been around with Brian Dable for a while. They were in Buffalo together, so we'll see what happens, but it's just it's definitely an interesting season for the New York Giants. It's a wild one, one that I didn't see coming. I really thought the team would be solid this year and make it back to the postseason. And again, as we mentioned, there's a chance the Giants still have a chance. They're still technically in the playoff hunt, and they have a very favorable matchup, one might argue, coming up here on Sunday afternoon versus the Las Vegas Raiders with an interim head coach in Antonio Pierce. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the Giants can find a way to turn their season around with Daniel Jones back in the lineup. But at the end of the day, even if they don't, I'm ride or die with my New York Giants, and I'm still supporting Joe Shane, and I want to see his vision um, get built out for the Giants across the next couple of seasons. So that's that's where I stand. I'm still confident in Joe Shane. I still have a pretty tremendous amount of confidence in Brian Dable, all things considered. And it's going to be exciting to see what decisions this team makes throughout the rest of the year and by season's end. But of course, that pretty much wraps this one up. Make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.